Hi, it's Joe Burns. Thanks for listening to the Rock School Radio Show podcast, now in its ninth year. If you'd like to hear the show with all the music intact, go to prx.org and search Rock School. There's all the shows. You just have to stream them. Can't download them just yet. Want to see the Rock School website? Go to kslu.org. Click on Programs. Click on Rock School. There we are, plus all of my academic lectures. Now enjoy this week's Rock School radio podcast. Adams, Adam Lee, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. Time for School, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Four times 52, actually nine times 52, you get 468, and if you take the week after, just to make sure that you're still alive, nine years this show has been on Congratulations, the air. Congratulations. Thank you. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show, and it's a special Rock School Show. I'm Joe Burns. You are? I am Tammy Burns. Go ahead, wife of mine. Ask me, why is this such an important show? Why is this an epochal date? Go well, ahead. Well, Joe, why is this an important show? See, you sounded extremely convincing. This is show number 469. Any idea why that number holds and rings true? Well, I know the answer. You do? Why? What is nine it? Nine years, man. That's right. Nine years. If you take four times 52, actually nine times 52, you get 468, and if you take Take the week after just to make sure that you're still alive. Nine years this show has been on the air. Congratulations, Thank babe. you. You joined as a full... Now, you've done shows along the way, mm-hmm. but you joined as a full-time guest on show number 429. Oh. Yeah, so you've been here for a while, and if we do it correctly, show number... if. 520 is it, but there's been leap years in there, so it'll actually be a couple shows before 520... But we're just going to go with the number 520 because we're not going to count the leap years that were in there. That'll be 10 years, so I have to do 52 more shows to get to 520, and it'll be 10 years, and then we'll make the decision at that point in time whether we want to continue or not. Wow. Yeah, how about that? Nine years doing that. And every time we have a year anniversary, I like to do a show that is suggested by a listener. Okay. I don't know if my mother is a listener or not. No. But she was just here. My 81-year-old mother was just here, and she handed me a book named Treasures of Hard Rock Cafe by Joel Sylvan and Paul Grushkin. It's a coffee table book that shows so much of the collection, the memorabilia collection of the Hard Rock Cafe. But what was neat about it is it also had the story of the Hard Rock Cafe. Now, you know I collect Hard Rock pins. Yes. And I have somewhere in the midst of about 70, 75 of them. And every one of them was purchased at a Hard Rock. I don't collect off of eBay. Right. They were all purchased. Gotta go there. If not by me, by somebody who purchased them for me. Uh, I, now think, I think there's only one that somebody else purchased. I think your mom oh, no. picked you up. Right? No, my mom and dad have purchased me a bunch of them. But there's doubles and all that kind of stuff, but they were all purchased. None of them were collected. And I've got them all up in my office for people to see and go, wow, you're a nerd. 
I have for you the story of the Hard Rock. I don't know the story. That's right. Everybody's had a burger at the Hard Rock, but we will start. Know these two names, Isaac Tigret and Peter Morton. They started the Hard Rock. A couple of Americans back in 1971 who didn't like living in London because they didn't like the food. They wanted American food. So they started with some money from their parents. They started a cafe called Eats. Eats. And Eats didn't work real well, so they changed it to the Hard Rock Cafe. Okay, why? Yeah. This will be the last thing we do in this break because I know what's going on. It came from one or two things. It was either A, from the back of the Doors album Morrison Hotel, flip it over and it says Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah. Or it's from Tigret's belief in Indian mysticism. Okay. There is a statement that goes, we are all born with a big boulder on our shoulder. Every day we chip at it until the end of our lives when all that is left is a small hard rock. Oh, I love that. Yeah, but I'm tending to believe it's the Morrison Hotel story because it specifically says Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah, it fits your story here. It started in 1971 in Piccadilly, London, and they served hamburgers, hot dogs, french fries, and stuff you couldn't get. And it started to become popular with the rock stars of the day. As a matter of fact, that's why the memorabilia idea began. And we'll tell you about that when we get back. But first, we begin with Carol King... And Hard Rock Cafe. Did she really write it for the Hard Rock Cafe? Yes. She did? Yes, she did. I had no idea. It sounds like this on Rock School. thought I was going to start with uh, Jim Morrison huh? and yep, the Doors. Yeah? I did. Can still surprise you after oh, nine years. After nine years, after it's nine, wonderful. Yeah, that's right, huh? I should have started with Jim Morrison and the Doors, shouldn't I? Everybody's yeah. still in love after nine years. Come on. <laughs> that's before Snow White walks away. Okay, the another piece of trivia you should know. The Hard Rock Cafe, the, which originally started as Eats, started in a defunct Rolls-Royce dealership. In Piccadilly, London. I don't know why that's important. Just another interesting piece well, of like trivia. It. Yep. The memorabilia. Now, I'm going to jump around in terms of years. Okay. Okay, because I, I want to start with the things that they're known for. The memorabilia, the rock and roll memorabilia, didn't start right away. The, the place to eat became very popular with rock stars of the day, but... The thing opened up in 71, but it wasn't until, according to the book, 78 or 79, that the memorabilia really began to, you know, come in. And they don't start opening up other uh, restaurants in the United States and and outside of London until the 1980s. That must have been one good hamburger, huh? I I can imagine. They also stated that the fact that... um, Loud music was played, and this just may be somebody looking back at it and layering over top of it, but they stated the fact that loud music, loud rock and roll music was playing, it kept conversation to a minimum. Which meant people ate faster, got up and left, so the turnover was quicker. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know I whether that. that's I don't know whether that's true or not, but I saw that on a business website. Okay, so where did the memorabilia start? 
The story goes, and never let the facts get in the way of a good story, but this book that I got, Treasures of the Hard Rock Cafe, have a picture in it to show it. And if there's a picture, it's true. Gotta be. Eric Clapton was a big fan of the Hard Rock Cafe. And as a gift in 1979, I also saw 78, but 79 is where it was, was denoted most of the time. He gave the owners a red Fender Lead 2 guitar, signed Eric Clapton. Oh, that's beautiful. And one of the owners, uh, Tigret, said, can I put this over top of where you normally sit and hang it on the wall? And Clapton said, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. Do whatever it's yours. Do whatever you want with it. Not a week later, another guitar showed up in a crate with a note from Pete Townsend that said, mine is as good as his, love Pete, and it went up on the wall. Maybe a month later, Debbie Harry from Blondie saw the two guitars up on the wall, and she was just the thing in London at that point in time. So she said, well, I want something up there. So she took off her sweatshirt and took a black marker and wrote, To the Hard Rock Cafe, Love Blondie. That's where it starts. Oh, that's too cool. Yeah, inside of a 60-day period, they get their first three Nido Mosquito pieces of you know memorabilia. And some people started to come to just see just, the guitar. Yeah, you got to see it, right? right? Steven Spielberg apparently ate lunch there every day while filming Raiders of the Lost Ark. And one of the things he liked was the fact that there was a guitar on the wall. So these guys who aren't dummies went, hmm, hmm, maybe we should do this. Wow. So that's where the memorabilia began. Well, let's play one from Eric Clapton. 79, he gave it. What was big on the charts at that time? Promises. Why not? Sounds like this on Rock School. I don't care if you never come home. I don't mind if you just keep on rolling away on a distance I don't love you and you don't love me Cause a commotion when you come to town Give them a smile and they melt Having lovers and friends is all good and fine But I don't like yours and you don't Talking the Hard Rock Cafe here on the ninth anniversary of Rock School. Okay, again, I'm jumping around in time because I want to talk about the famous things that people know from the Hard Rock okay. Cafe. The logo. Where did the logo come yeah. from? Okay. Well, the logo came from a person named Alan Aldridge. And a lot of people who are rock fanatics probably already know the name. He did the Elton John Captain Fantastic album cover. He also did the Who, a quick one. And you'll find, although he didn't do the uh, Yellow Submarine album cover, he's known for that kind of art and a lot of Beatles art was done by him. And he did he did the uh, Hard Rock? He did the Hard Rock Cafe. And he was going to do all these kind of weird, neato things. And in a discussion with the two owners, they said, well, this is Americana. And they wanted to do it in red, white, and blue, and nothing looked real, yeah. real good. So what they decided was it should look like a Chevrolet hood ornament. Okay, it does. Right, they should make it look that way as as possible. And in this book, this thing, Treasures of the Hard Rock, it shows 
the four or five incarnations of it until they finally arrive at, okay, this is the font. This is what it should be. The circle was all red for a little while until it became a red outside with a yellow sun in the middle of it. Yes. Really neato. He was paid $2,500 to create it. That's it. He gets no residual. No, no free burgers every time he's there. I'll bet he gets free burgers. Oh, I bet I would ask. I would too. Look, I made that logo. Do yeah, I give really, me a burger. Can you comp me some fries here? The logos, obviously you know where that comes from. What about the slogans? Save the Planet was London graffiti at the time. Okay. We're in the 1970s, so people were painting Save the Planet. It could have been Clapton as God, but no, it was, you know, Save the Planet. Yeah. Love All, Serve All, again, comes from Tigret's Eastern philosophy. So the two come from those two places. So now you know that well, piece of nice. information. So when you go into Hard Rock, you can bother the waiter or wait person with that piece of information. We'll get to the pins next. Because oh, please do. Everything comes from somewhere. I said that Pete Townsend was the second person to yeah. hand a piece of memorabilia to the Hard Rock. 1979, what was big? The Who Are You album. Here's Goodbye Sister Disco on Rock School. As I walked through that hospital door, I was sewn up like a girl. I got a smile from the pride of the wind. Watch the fresh ball of snow. Goodbye, Sister Disco. Okay, first break here on Rock School, ninth anniversary show. What about the pins? Again, this is what I collect. I've had some hard rock t-shirts, but I don't I don't collect t-shirts. It's, it's not as fun as the pens anyway. No, it's not. But there are multiple t-shirts, and I'll tell you about the t-shirts too, where they came from. Okay. The pins began as something that the waitresses and the waitstaff were wearing. It set them apart as being an employee of the the place. And somebody said, well, I want that. Actually, the T-shirts came first, and I'll tell you about that. But I wanted to go to the pins because nobody sort of goes, well, I want the T-shirt over the pin. When you no, see the, I want the pin. Right. When you see the pin, that's more iconic hard rock. But that's where it started. It was something they put on the wait staff. Mm-hmm. And people said, well, I want your pin. So they started selling the pins. Okay. According to this book that my mom bought me, by the way, for $5 at a uh, uh, one of those sales that they have at uh, she got that libraries for five dollars it's a beautiful book isn't it it really is nice so according to the book there have been over forty-four thousand pins in the 40-year history of the hard rock and according to collectors weekly now remember anytime you're collecting something it really has no value until a collector puts a value on it yes what's something worth what someone will pay for it you know, that guitar that's hanging on the wall is worth nothing until a person pays something for it. Right. According to Collectors Weekly, the most sought after, thus the most 
I guess, what would you call it, expensive, rare pins are the Save the Planet pins that first came out that have a blue rectangle instead of a circle. Those little things to a collector are really important. Yep, it means something. Also, the blue and white flying V guitar Mm -hmm. with the word San Francisco on the neck. The pin was originally produced without the city name. That's the one you really want. Oh, my. And also, you want the one that was uh, the original colors because they then changed it to gold and red. Actually, the gold and red is what you want. Those were the colors of the city's football team. You also want the left-handed black and white Stratocaster from Stockholm. Because they only made a thousand of them, period. Oh, that's a good idea. If you can get your hands on that one. There was also a guide to the patterns that are on the back of the pin. If you turn it over, I think all the ones that I have have hard rock on them. They mm-hmm. have the logo on yeah. it. But there's also a hashtag and there's a, a dollar sign and there's flat and all that. So you can collect the same pin with a different backing on it or the stra- the long straight pin or the dual yeah, know, stick the button, pins, the, the button, button pin. pin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the people who are into this. This is nuts. Oh, it's ridiculous. You can go on and on. And if you go on eBay, you can buy just about any of these. And they start at five bucks up until what do you want to pay? There were some on there for, you know, $800 if you're willing to spend that much. Again, it's a collector's thing. It's worth what a collector asks and what a person will pay. It's like baseball cards. You know, how much is this worth? Whatever somebody's and I'm sure there's a black market and there's probably you know all kinds of illegal knockoffs, right? Right. And in this book, there is a whole section on here are our pens, here are the rarest of the rare, you know. And what's fun is I have some of the ones that they show, not the rare ones, but some of the ones that show. I just buy the ones, you know. Welcome to San Francisco. Uh, Give me one that says San Francisco. Okay, here you go. So none of mine are worth anything more than what I paid for them and probably not that much. KSRQ's Thief River Falls, Minnesota. Thanks for running the radio show. And KCMJ Colorado Springs. Excellent. Back in a moment, we'll tell you all about the T-shirt and why you were even able to buy a T-shirt here on Rock School. You asked me while we were off the air, um, am I going to get into the casinos? Yeah, I'll tell you when they started and, and where and all of that. Okay. But the chips that mm-hmm. you play with are also collector's items. The T-shirt. The T-shirt was, again, an accidental thing. The The pins were because they gave them to the waitstaff. Mm-hmm. The T-shirts were the same thing. The London Cafe in 1974 sponsored a soccer team. Well, football over there. And the T-shirt for the team was a white shirt with the Hard Rock Cafe logo in the middle of it. simple logo. That's it. That's all they wanted. People who enjoyed the cafe and the shirt said, I'm a fan of the team. I want one of the shirts. Yes, I do. So what they did is they printed some up and kept them behind the counter. And the guy who owned it, again, Tigris, there's another guy named Morton. He's really the business person. And when we get into the split and all of that, he comes in again. Okay. But um, Tigret, I think I called him Tigris. <laughs> Tigret. He, I like that. Yeah. He would give them away to friends. He didn't sell them at first. But then they started showing up around London and people came in and go, I want a t-shirt too. Where do I get this t-shirt? So yeah. we had to start selling them. Again, he keeps falling over backwards into a bucket of shaving cream. They've kind of created everything that other restaurants follow, it seems like. Exactly. And they also, 
you know, they are the first. And then if you remember, all the theme restaurants start coming yep. out. And we talk about that. The House of Blues mm-hmm. is started by Tigret. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, there's a split between the two guys, and we'll get into that Aww. here in just a little bit. Yeah. Who was the third person to give a piece of memorabilia? There was uh, first Debbie, Eric Lodge. Debbie, Debbie Harry, Harry yes. of Blondie. Her okay. shirt. Rips it off, writes on it, pins it to the wall. Wish I was around when Debbie Harry ripped her shirt off. I wonder off. if she had anything underneath. Gosh, I hope not. Dreaming here on Rock School. Here's an interesting piece of trivia before we go into seven days and 70 seconds. Tigret, in 1974, I told you that he was he was into uh, Hindu mysticism. Yeah. Well, he was originally a Marxist, which is interesting that he started a business and such. Well, he, he would give away food and things like that. Mm. Well, in, in 74, remember the, the, the thing opens up in 71. In 74, he starts following a guy named Sai Baba. Uh-huh. Also in 74, he meets Ringo Starr's ex-wife, Maureen Starkey. Yes. And marries her. Oh. Yes, he does. 76 is when the marriage takes place. And he, to this day, refers to her as his greatest piece of rock memorabilia. Oh, my gosh. It's a small town, huh? is uh, Is that a good thing? I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. No, on his end, it's a good thing. I guess. I'm Joe Burns. You are. I am Tammy Burns. Let us do seven days in 70 seconds. These are the rock and roll dates. April 11th, all the way through April 17th. Something that happened on each day. Tammy, go. April 11th, 1988. Cher wins Best Actress for the romantic comedy Moonstruck at tonight's Oscar Awards in New York. As if they were happening tonight. Yes. April 12th, 1999, Shania Twain becomes the first female to sell 10 million copies each with back-to-back album releases, The Woman and Me, and Come On Over. I owned it. Yeah. Uh, April 13th, 1970, the first sellout of the Montreal Forum, thanks to Led Zeppelin. April 14th, 1975, former Faces guitarist Ronnie Wood is announced as the replacement for Rolling Stone's Mick Taylor. In April 15, 1966, the Buffalo Springfield played their first concert when they opened for the Birds in San Bernardino, California. April 16, 1992, Nirvana appears on the cover of Rolling Stone with Kurt Cobain, and he's wearing a t-shirt that says, Corporate Magazines Still Suck. They still do. <laughs> April 17, 1964, Them! Featuring Van Morrison, make their first concert appearance at Belfast's Maritime Hotel, and that wraps up seven days and 70 seconds. How many concerts have you and I gone to see at the Hard Rock Cafe Biloxi since you can't go see a concert at the Hard Rock New Orleans? It's just an eatery. How many have we seen? Four, five? Oh, a lot. It's perfection. What was the first concert at a Hard Rock Cafe? Well, I don't doubt a troubadour came in and sang sometime at the original Hard Rock over in Piccadilly, London. Mm -hmm. But if you want to sort of say, here's the first concert... In 1973, Paul McCartney and Wings performed an impromptu concert at Hard Rock's Cafe in Piccadilly, a warm-up gig for their 1973 tour, which would have been the album Red Rose Speedway. Band on the Run would come out also in 1973, but that wouldn't have been until December of 73. So let's do the lead-off track from Red Rose Speedway. This is Big Barn Bad here on Rock School. 
Okay, second break on the ninth anniversary show of the Rock School Radio Show. Talking hard rock. Mm-hmm. I want to go in early to this second break because I want to make sure I got enough time to talk about this. Okay. We're now in the 1980s and the cafe has made enough money they need to expand. However, Tigret and Morton, the two guys that started it, are at each other's throats, so they decide to split. before they begin moving across the pond into the United States. And here's what happened. You may not know this, but if you were going to the Hard Rock in the 1980s, even though they looked exactly like one another, you were either going into Morton's Hard Rock or you were going into Tigret's Hard Rock because they split the company right down the middle. And it was either Morton's Hard Rock America Incorporate or Tigret's Hard Rock Cafe International Incorporated. Uh Right. So the way they split it was that Morton gained the rights to the Hard Rock name for all uh, west of the Mississippi River. And then Tigret had everything east of the Mississippi, except Morton got the rights to Chicago, his hometown. And Tigret, because of that flip, got the rights to Dallas. And they moved forward like that. The first Hard Rock opens up in the United States in L.A., mm-hmm. not Louisiana, right. Los Angeles. And it's Tigret's, uh, pardon me, Morton that opens it there. Tigret beats him internationally, backed in L.A. by Steven Spielberg, Barry Diller, Henry Winkler, Willie Nelson, and John Denver. Goodness. And it doesn't do too badly. However, it's the one in New York City that's opened by Tigret that becomes the iconic. It's it's a very nice place in Los Angeles, but it doesn't look like a hard rock yet. Oh. You know, the hard rocks you think of where you go yeah. in and there's crazy stuff all over the walls yeah, 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 and the yeah. bar looks a certain way. That's when the one in New York opens. And we'll get to that in just a second. Who's listening to us? Radio Universidad Salamanca, Spain. And KSKQ in Ashland, Oregon. Get us on Facebook. Search Rock School Radio Show. Please, please, we beg you. We'll be back in a minute on Rock School. Okay, out of the break, I told you Tigret was the one that opened in New York City. That's the iconic one with the 57 Chevy coming out of the wall. I can see you've got it up on your iPad oh, yeah. device. I'm looking at it now. He's also the guy that created the idea of the walls not just being flat, but they are all iconic spaces. You've got, if you have a, like an Elvis LeMay jacket, you create a space in the wall where the jacket will sit. If you have a picture of John Lennon's something or other, you create a box in the wall where that thing will fit. The walls just aren't flat. And then the bar, instead of just being a horseshoe bar yeah. or an L-shaped bar, is a Fender Stratocaster. 
This is where the idea of everything in some way, shape, or form deals with music. And that was wow. Tigret that created that. He paired up with Dan Aykroyd and Yul Brynner. And some of you may remember on, I think it was the Today Show or Good Morning America, that famous thing of the Blues Brothers coming out and performing and then Dan Aykroyd uh, serving up burgers to the hosts of yeah. it. And there's a famous picture of him arr, shoving a burger into his <laughs> face. That was what that was. And again, you didn't know if you were going across the United States bopping into one of these. You didn't know if you were going into a Morton or if you were going into a into a Tigrit one. And in 1983, they go global. Hard Rock expanded to Asia with the opening of the Hard Rock Cafe Tokyo. Oh, my. One I really want to go to. Who owned that one? You know, I don't have that here. I'm willing to bet all kinds of coin it was Tigret, but I could very well be wrong about that. Next thing we do, we talk about the Hard Rock being sold. Neither of them own it anymore. What? We're going to do that. The Hard Rock Cafe teamed up with Rhino Records to create a series of albums so they could put out music. Mm -hmm. And this is from the Rhino slash Hard Rock Classic Rock Collection. Here you go. Frankenstein on Rock School. sell it. No longer owned by the two of them. Tigret sells his side for $100 million to a company named Pleasurama, owned by a guy named Robert Earle. Okay? Almost immediately, Pleasurama is purchased by Mecca Leisure Incorporated, and then in 1990 is eaten up by Rank Organization, a British conglomerate. Okay? Robert Earle is still in charge, however, of the Hard Rock side, and even after the sale mm-hmm. is angering Morton and Tigret because he then opens up a new restaurant called Planet Hollywood yes. right near Hard Rocks, thinking one will push the other one. Right. I remember Planet Hollywood. I went to it. Yeah. In order to fight this in 1992, Tigret, along with Dan Aykroyd, Aerosmith, Paul Schaefer, River Phoenix, James Belushi, and believe it or not, Harvard University, opens the House of Blues. There you are. In 1995, double down at the Hard Rock Casino and Hotel. It opens up in Las Vegas, Nevada. And then finally in 2007, all Hard Rock interests are sold to the Seminole Tribe of Florida and is now headquartered in Orlando. So the main two guys have nothing to do with it anymore. It is now owned outright by the Seminole Tribe of of Orlando. You are kidding me. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Somebody's making some money. Serious coin. We got to take a real quick song, come back. I am going to tell you the last thing, where all the memorabilia is and who's making a whole lot of money and who's been their employee from from the beginning, literally, for 40 years. Forder, cold as ice. It's on that Rhino record I just told you about on Rock School. You're as cold as ice. You're willing 
break on rock school and we're gonna have to do it quick happy nine years oh happy yeah. nine years to you and here listen this yeah. is something that that uh, not a lot of people know do it quick <laughs> well you never you never repeat a show no i never do never repeat never. A topic. and i ask him to folks nope all the time it. we're on vacation i'm like just play reruns for god's sake they'll never know yeah they will but he doesn't in 2011 rita gilligan celebrates 40 years with the hard rock hotel who Hard Rock Cafe. Who is that? Who is Rita Gilligan? Mm. She was their first waitress. No, she wasn't. Yep, they have she has been hired and, and employed by them for all forty years. After a certain time God, she stopped ho- waitressing and she's now an ambassador for the company. I tell you, I was hoping she yep. was making more than two dollars an hour. Oh yeah, a whole bunch. Last thing. According to the Tampa Bay Times and the Orlando Sentinel, there is this nondescript white and brown warehouse outside of Orlando. Moved there from Dallas in 1990. It's overseen by curator Steve Rothier. Apparently, I would explode if I walked into this building. That is where all non-displayed stuff from the Hard Rock Cafe is kept and cataloged. I don't know if I would put it in Orlando. Well, would you? That's where it is. Now, remember, it's owned by the Seminole Tribe. Well, I know so it is, but, it but it's a hurricane. You know, the hurricane well, could come through. And... I'm, I'm guessing it's more than just a steel building. Yeah, you it's think? a little bit more. Ruthier says here, the company, Hard Rock, buys memorabilia, and unlike the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it will dirty its hands by spending money. Uh, it says here, older artists want a donation receipt and younger artists often want cash. He says the big thing is the item must have some form of ownership to the person, not just existence. For example, he said uh, he wanted a, a cap that was owned by LL Cool J. So LL Cool J pulled his Kangol hat off and handed it to him. And he said, no, this is this is nothing to me. Mm-hmm. This is just a Kangol hat. Okay. You know, that's all it is. So sign it. So he signed it to the Hard Rock Cafe. That's the big thing. It has to have some form of ownership, a picture, a signature, a something. It can't just be a thing because then it's, you know, well, that was owned by so-and-so. Yeah. I prove it. Well, it's right? good that somebody has yep. all of this stuff that we can go look at and eat a burger while we're there. This yep. is a good thing. Exactly. So there you go. That's the story of the Hard Rock. There is so, so, so much more. And uh, you should go on out and, and, and enjoy yourself a hamburger at the Hard Rock and buy a pin. And give it to me. <laughs> and that's that. I'm Joe Burns. You are? I'm Tammy Burns. That's it. I'll bet we're over time. Class is dismissed. <laughs>